Hi, I'm Danny Elfman. This is Shirley Manson. This is Debbie Harry. This is Chris Steiner Blondie. This is Roland Orzabal from Tears for Fears. This is Billy Idol. This is Alex Ebert, a.k.a. Edward Sharp, giving the story behind the song. Hi, this is Peter Chotty, host of the story behind the song. Each month I speak to some of music's biggest artists to get the inside stories behind their most lasting and iconic songs. Join me for new episodes on the third Monday of every month on the story behind the song from the Consequence Podcast Network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, pod people. Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week, we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this big, gigantic, spongy globe. We talk passion, we talk first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this truly unusual time and everything in the Juicy Center. This week, we're excited to share a conversation with experimental pop star Netta. Fishing way back into my memory lane. (laughs) The Israeli artist won the esteemed Eurovision contest in 2018, sealing the victory with a brilliant and quirky toy. Utilizing a loop station to accentuate her resonant, powerful voice, Netta has since dominated stages around the world and seen her music spread like wildfire, including toy becoming a massive force on TikTok. Between a video series called Netta's Office and a viral cover of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious for Disney, the Tel Aviv-based singer has found appropriately unique ways to keep creative and connected with fans through quarantine. In this chat, Lior spoke with Netta about connecting to the Beatles in school, what it was like participating in Eurovision, her appearance in the Will Ferrell film based on the contest, and so much more. So let us not be delayed, this is Lior and Netta. Enjoy! Tel Aviv is uh, used to be a very vibrant, very, um, very special, very unapologetic city, and it's kind of you know it's kind of sad right now. Yeah, uh, seeing a lot of you, you're just walking through this. We are Israel is one of the one of the only countries that reinforced lockdown for the second time. Uh, this year, like severe lockdown, mm. no, no restaurants, no pubs, no uh, gyms. <laughs> uh, once again, so so we're just going through yeah. this right now. Where uh, there's a lot of like um, crazy phenomenons, which is like uh, people are performing on trucks around the yeah. city to people in balconies. 
which is uh, interesting. That feels very Israeli. I lived there from like, I lived in Tel Aviv from like 2014 until 2017. So around about there. Oh. I can't even imagine Tel Aviv or Israel in general just locked down. Because when you describe living there or being there, everything is about people walking around, sitting and chatting at all hours of the day. Every restaurant and bar open. You only eat dinner at like 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) You go to work at 11 the next day. Totally. Everything happens in the street. Everything happens outside. Everything is in the street. Like a bar would open on every, it's, it's like, it's called sidewalk, sidewalk pubs and sidewalk uh, parties. Everything is happening on the actual street because the weather is so amazing. Um, And also it's just the, I think it's the culture from my perspective being like an outsider. It's the culture as well of people wanting to actually talk to one another as opposed to strangers in the street looking down. Yep. You know, if you travel anywhere else in the world, you you don't look at anyone in the eye. You like look down. But in Israel, you talk to everyone you know, I think it was the easiest place for me to make friends in, in, in by far. Like it was the easiest place. So I can't even imagine how lockdown feels. Yeah. And especially for the industry, the music industry. How are you feeling it on that front? Because you can't tour, you can't, you know, you can't, you can't tour in even, you know, across Israel even. You can't yeah. do any of that stuff. So how has that been for you? <laughs> It's like it's it's how you imagine it being for me. It's like I have no other choice but but be f- uh, full of hope. We are uh, currently we are writing an album. You're writing between closed doors. Uh, everything is you know it's very difficult to find inspiration this time. Yes. But um, but it's kind of cool, you know. Uh, um living in like i think of corona as like a a processing like a speeding like a time like how do i say that it's like speeding processes it's like everything Mm. that was meant to happen in a longer period of time now Mm. we have like the time to do whatever I wanted to do. Right, right. It's giving you like a moment to pause. Yeah. Yes. And it gives us like a moment to to rethink and focus about what we really want to do, what we want. Where we really want to go, like um, I've I've heard from a friend who uh, who was very a very successful um, a fashion designer, and she opened like a few uh, of her uh, how do you call it? a few stores, yes, um, and she's been starting to do really well, but she didn't. R- recognize herself because it was happening too fast for her and now she she's been closing uh, a few stores and she's been opening an online thing and she's gained back what she's saying uh, really strongly that she gained back control over her over her business and over her life like it got smaller but I uh, but I am also like 
I am in charge. And I totally felt mm. that because I everything also happened very, very fast for me. And I didn't see myself in any sort of circumstances writing an album for about seven months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sitting in a studio day, every, day by day by day and writing, uh, which is like the, the, the plus in this. Um, yeah. Uh, it's total shit. <laughs> yeah. situation but so it's given you kind of a moment to restructure and reshuffle how you you know how you creatively process your work as opposed it's to another just, opportunity yeah, yeah as opposed to just being on the road although that is helpful sometimes you mentioned the word like inspiration earlier you know we don't know where that actually comes from but being on the road, sometimes it can jolt that sense of, you know, intrigue and that sense of curiosity. So when you're on the road meeting people, you get ideas. So where are you getting those ideas from now? Is it just by being within yourself and re reflecting on your own personal, you know, your experiences? Yeah, I'm actually fishing them. Fishing the... <laughs> Fishing way back into my yeah. memory oh lane, <laughs> cruising, uh. you know, because, you know, yeah. the, to write about the certain situation is very depressing and, and, and it makes me obviously unhappy. So yeah, I, but I've been through so much and I've been repressing so much, you know. What, uh, what are the things that you found surprised you in this little adventure of yours at the moment in reflecting what what have don't, you I don't um I was surprised by uh by how much um how much of my childhood mm. did I actually repress inside and and how much freedom do I need to give it in my music right now it's like it's like stories since i was 12 <laughs> like experiences right. I, that, that i've been through when i was very little that wow. I, I i found like uh, i am very eager to to release i'm very eager to write about the come on girl it was when you were 12 <laughs> years old but it but it's like so vivid and it Im wow. impacted me so deeply till this day it's it's like so so a lot of the a lot of the stuff that came out is actually is actually about me uh when i was a child which is uh which is which is kind of like, like you know a childish album but i don't want to I don't want to ruin too much. I feel like it's more exciting to do what you're doing as difficult and as tragic and as harsh as it is to go back to yourself because mm -hmm. you, who is that person? Who were you at 12? You know, it's very hard to, it's like a therapy session. It's very hard to, you know, reintroduce yourself to yourself and then speak about it. It is very exciting. Uh, but you know, I'm, uh, I, I've been given like a, a very, very interesting chance to, to right now, Corona has been given me this crazy chance to, to dig. And, uh, and I'm already in this situation where everybody knows me and, uh, and I just have to, you know, I just have to say, okay, I'm not obligated to do any kind of music. Like I know what people people know about me, and I know what people, uh, um, I know everything happened fast, and I did only you know I did I did 
toy and 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 everybody loves this certain thing that was in Eurovision and and I and I've been thinking that I'm not bound to any kind the the, the fact that that happened to me doesn't mean that I am bound to do that certain thing uh that people that people like I am researching I'm I'm still still in that certain point where I really think I did nothing that everything is ahead of me um and that's a very healthy approach for me to be uh in a in the studio I I'm I, every when everything stopped it was like an amazing way for me to to say like hey I can really start this over mm-hmm. <laughs> like it there's nothing beautiful and prettier than than a beginning and I think that when you go back especially when you go back to your childhood you are big it's a beginning uh and and i'm building myself up yeah. it's uh, it's an it's a very very liberating very a special experience for me and i kind of like that you are so focused on it and then you have that perspective that you understand that you can't just be that you know that world of toy like that song yes. and your vision you can't just stay in there i mean you can but i'm sure that wouldn't be as fulfilling for you as an artist no no, no. <laughs> yeah because i mean what is what is like creativity and art to you anyway like is it is it rediscovering is it pushing yourself is it challenging yourself like what is it to you i, I really believe that music uh it's a cliche to say that uh there's some that choose music and and there's the one that's been picked by music i've been always music was always there to help me and to 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 bring me some escapism mm-hmm. uh it was always my way to uh to run away from uh, it, it it was always my way to to gain friends and uh to make people understand me it's like i was speaking a different language uh and no one would understand me up until that moment that i was making music um there's like a very a very like famous uh story of mine which uh i i wasn't very good at at math and my teacher was very um very disapproving <laughs> of that uh of that thing and um and then and then there was like a school show and i had like a, a solo and mm-hmm. then i walked into the classroom and then she she walked towards me and she she touched my face like like uh, uh softly and she said with a voice like yours math is required <laughs> i totally get it and uh and and it was always the thing that i was this like you know misunderstood creature uh but it helped people and it helped me to communicate with the world through it always uh and whenever i do it it helps me even understand myself it's a very very special uh um part of me uh 
And when I create art, it is like um, it is like cleansing. Mm. It's it's excruciating. Yeah. I don't really like doing it. Like no. like it's like solving a riddle when you write. Uh, it's like sitting and like breaking your mind over it. But when it's done, like when you finish the session, you are a better person to the world. You're a better person to the people you love. You feel vital. You feel a better spouse, mm. <laughs> a better, I feel, I, I just feel better. Like I, it's, it's totally like therapy. Exactly like therapy. But when I sit in the studio, when I'm like jamming, when I'm inventing uh, um, melodies, I have a lot of fun. But when I'm writing lyrics, it's like y you need to shoot me because <laughs> I, am, I am in this severe pain. But I mean, a part of you loves that pain as well, right? Because it gets you to where you need to go, which is the place yeah. that you love. So yeah. it's part, it's like the pain is part of the process. Yeah, no pain, as no gain, sick. another cliche. <laughs> yeah, as sick as that sounds. But uh, yeah. uh, so when, so considering your path, do you remember the very first performance that you ever did? I remember seeing a videotape mm -hmm. uh, of me when I was two years old. And I wasn't the chatty, I wasn't the chatty little girl. Uh, I my mother was try to speak to me and I wouldn't say a word, and then she would start singing like uh, there was an old woman and I immediately start singing and <laughs> I knew all the words to a lot of songs, a lot of Stevie Wonder songs, a lot of like like when I was two years old I knew wow. how to like the cliche of speaking before speaking the cliche of singing before you're speaking that that was very true about me and i i i remember uh the the earliest show that i remember is uh i was in a first grade and i there was like um a school choir and i had like a russian um conductor mm -hmm. and she would uh, would do uh, sometimes she would do auditions for solos And then she would say, uh, Neta, do you know this performance on Friday? I want you to sing the solo. And then I looked at her and I say, I, my mother told us that we are going to Elat, which is like a, a southern, a southern, it's like a Vegas for Israel. Yes. And she said tip. that we yeah. were going to Elat, but she didn't say when. Okay. And whenever someone would come to me and would uh, and would uh, say that, uh, listen, on Wednesday, on Sunday, on Saturday, no, 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 I can't. I'm going to a lot. I don't know when, but I'm going. <laughs> and I remember myself saying, no, 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 I can't sing the song. I'm going to a lot. <laughs> and then she asked me when, but I don't know, but I'm going. <laughs> Uh, I mean. and I and I remembered she asked me to sing and then eventually I I sang and I remember the heads quickly turning like all of the kids in the classroom were turning and I realized I I have something that was 
it, it was very, you know, I wasn't shy. I was just going to a lot, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to sing or I'm something. I'm busy, please. I had me. an I'm obligation, which is a very diva moment. <laughs> Listen, a that was beautiful, but, you know, you've, you've got places to be. <laughs> like, before, before I even sang, I was a diva. <laughs> but were you nervous? about singing in front of people like did nerves or any of that come into play when you were younger or as you know as you started singing more and more in front of people um it actually when at first it wasn't the nervous part wasn't a thing but when i when i grew further up it was mm. it was a thing like why do i you got think it, why do you think it only came up later because of um, my self-esteem issues, in my opinion, uh, like um, yeah. when when I was, it, it got worse and worse uh, uh, as I gained weight as a kid. It got worse right. and worse. The 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 I I got social anxiety. Uh, it was it was kind of a. Uh, I don't know if it was a, if, if it was a fast process or a slow process. It, from the like the first or second grade, it started happening, and it was it and it peaked when I was uh, at the sixth grade, and then uh, and then it kind of you know it settled. Then I started like aging, you know, um, um, like uh, my teen years. started happening so uh femininity and uh and uh, and sexually i grew up so that was a kind of like differently but uh that was that was the points where i started to to feel anxious like i realized that the singing in my life is is something that uh that is very important for my self-esteem It helped me a lot uh, to gain friends uh, and to and to establish my status <laughs> um, and when uh, I grew up I started to develop uh, uh, a, per- a personality like uh, my own personality besides the singing uh, thing when I was growing up, You know, no one on stage, in, in, in certainly not in the pop sphere or pop genre, no one on stage was bigger. It was always like these really young, thin, blonde, long hair. You know, like the, the pop mold looked very different to what it looks like now. Yeah. And weight and sexuality wasn't really explored because... That just wasn't the tradition and that just wasn't the norm. Yeah. So you also, you're not only like questioning who you are and what you're doing for the world, but you're also like, do I fit in? Does this, does this make sense? Nobody sees I, I people was like always, me. Yeah. I was always, uh, um, I, I always uh, um, saw my body in my mind. Like when I was fantasizing on being like a big star. Yeah. I always saw myself thin. Yeah. There wasn't like one fantasy 
where I was like the way I was. Mm. Mm. And I've been I, I, I went through like a lot of eating disorders, obviously, when I was uh, when I was growing up since like the seventh grade. Yeah. Um, like anorexia, bulimia, you name it. Wow. I had it. Uh, and um, my mother told me always that I was beautiful uh, and I was like uh, and I and I totally w- didn't believe her. I thought that she was lying. And I looked at her and I say, Mom, I know that I am many things, but I am not beautiful. Don't why why are you lying to me? But but she 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 never backed <laughs> backed out on that like version of the reality that she believed in. Mm. Uh, that I believe in now. That I am beautiful. And uh and I was always uh, I, I was never pushed. Like they they never pushed me to do um I, I I was a very I I knew how to sing when I was young, but they never pushed me to do anything. Uh, they they even like they they really uh, they guarded me uh, from like you know TV shows. Since I was sixteen, you know the the TV people they know about. They they somebody told them that there's this girl that she she she's she's freaky and she knows how to uh, <laughs> she's she's very weirdly uh, she's a weird performer and you have to see her and and it was very as a, at a very young age it was very clear and they were and they looked for me and I waited I waited so many years so I can get everything figured out I waited I waited ten years uh, so before I went. Any- so you went from kind of performing in in clubs and bars and then going into the realm of television, preparing for a performance in front of a crowd, one that you can't really edit, you, you, you can't really stop the performance or anything. It's similar to TV in, in a live setting, but it's totally different with a production. You kind of have a clear set, you've got cameramen you've got people kind of staring at you there's a there's a before a middle and an after where you know performing live on a stage it's very different so how did you prepare for that or did you just go into it thinking it's the same feeling I'm the same person doing the same thing first of all I I knew I needed uh I needed to figure out how am I going to uh, because it's a one, it's a one-way ticket, and it's like a one-time ticket. You can't like go to a reality show after a reality show expecting something will happen. When you fall, you fall. It labels you, right? And uh, and you shouldn't do it again, especially in music. Uh, and I, I already had some kind of reputation in Tel Aviv, which I thought. Was uh, I thought they were all going to say that I am um, that I sell that I sold out, and I was very afraid. I wanted the 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 wheel and the cards to be in my hands, um, because sometimes when you just go as a singer uh, to a reality show, the production takes over, and they change you into what they think is right. Uh, mm. So, so I needed a concept that would make me untouchable, uh, and I found out about the 
my looper skills. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, my brother, my big brother was a drummer, and he and I would used to imitate his drumming by beatboxing. Ah, uh, okay. When, when I was very young, yeah. so I knew I already knew how to beatbox. I I was years and years in a choir, so I knew how to harmonize. And I'm already crazy, so I have all these voices <laughs> speaking to me in my head, and I'm talking to them <laughs> loudly. So, uh, so it was already there, and uh, so I started um, touching the looper, and and I sat with the manual. My I, I don't know how to work my iPhone sometimes. The, imagine how hard it is to. To, with a looper. to to <laughs> yeah. sit with a looper and 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 try to to master it. It took me about um, one year of like training uh, for for like mastering uh, the instrument and and really really uh, for it to be an instrument. Every you know every looping artist when you're seeing them on. On screen, when you're seeing them on YouTube, they're always the looper is always on a table. Mm-hmm. It you you don't really see it. When I uh, when I took the looper, I, I I I told to myself, listen, people are going to see what I am doing. I am going to play, and I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to be a performer that is performing with this thing. This has never been seen before, and. Uh, and I was like the poorest girl. I, I didn't have no way of paying my rent. But uh, I felt like I was very, very rich because of it. Yeah. And I went with it to the to the show. Uh, and, it, and, and, and it was the first time that everybody got headphones. I brought like six headphones for, for the audition from my house. It was like the, a pre-audition. Yeah. Because I needed people on board with me. So I brought like six headphones and I put, and I, and I put them on everybody so everybody could listen mm-hmm. to what I was doing. And I just put the looper on my lap and I started doing uh, a Rihanna cover. Mm-hmm. Oh, which one? Uh, Rude Boy. Oh, amazing. And I, I was... I didn't look up for one second because I was so, you know, I was so nervous. I I was like exploding inside. I was so nervous doing it. And I remember myself lifting my head for like in the end. Mm -hmm. And I saw everybody like everybody was like uh, with with their jaw dropped. And I and the head and the head producer was uh, with his jaw dropped and, and, and he didn't have headphones because he needed to know that I am a good singer. <laughs> like, without, without it. And the first thing I've heard him say was like, you know, fuck, she can win Eurovision. <laughs> did, you and, think that, did you think that you wanted to? Like, what was the goal... Was the goal I just to be part of it or was the goal I, to win? The, the goal was to make a living. The right. goal was to go and not do... It, it, in Israel, we say, Lola sot bushot, 
-hmm. means like I, I, the only thing I wanted is to not to embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> this was the only thing I wanted. Uh, and I wanted to, to finish the first show, maybe get eliminated after mm -hmm. and get some gigs because my mother was breathing down my neck. <laughs> I'm going back to this saying that music is my way to communicate with the world. I didn't have high expectations. I already knew that I am worth something. I am special, but I didn't, I don't, I, I never expect anyone to understand. Pause the podcast! It's time to step away from the conversation with Netta ever so briefly to share a special segment. We typically like to share our favorite live show or live stream of the week, but we want to continue putting a spotlight where it's most needed and instead highlight an organization we think you should contribute to. This week, we're highlighting Chicago Birthworks Collective, an organization which helps black families in Chicago with their birth and postpartum experiences. Chicago Birthworks offers programs geared towards educating, caring for, and supporting families and new parents. To learn more and contribute, head to chicagobirthworks.com donate. That's chicagobirthworks.com donate. But for now, back to Lior and Netta. Enjoy! Well, it's one thing also not only entering into a song contest, which is kind of outside, as you said, like, you know, that seems like a sellout to be on like a reality show. Yes. But then there's another to be then, because that's a separate mindset, then to go from that mindset into a Eurovision, which is yes. much more <laughs> prestige. That's, that's not reality. That is like you are representing yourself. You're introducing yourself to your yeah. country, your, the world. And then your country is introducing themselves with you. Oh, that's the weirdest thing so, ever isn't it like these layers it's like <laughs> multiple multiple layers of because it's music why should like why should i compete exactly and why should i represent my country it's it's the weirdest yeah. thing and ever. then you have to like then you have to i, I can't even imagine what went through your brain because then you also have to start thinking oh shit now i'm representing a country and it's not only just a normal you know, where the government is working normally, everything is fine. Israel is one of the most contentious governments and countries in the world. Everyone has an opinion about Israel. Mm -hmm. So you're also putting yourself up against that political landscape, the creative landscape, what people think Israeli music sounds like, which is insane <laughs> because no one really knows unless you have a good ear and you want to know about Israeli music, no one really knows what it sounds like. They think it's just like... I, I, I didn't really know. think at that point that I'm representing anything. I, yeah. I was always saying that, listen, I am Neta. I am mm -hmm. not Israel. I am a girl who lives in Israel. Right. I love her. I love my country. Uh, but uh, I am a musician, and this mm. is what I do, and this is what I make. If you're interested in Israeli music, you should search Israeli Israeli top hits on YouTube, yeah. and then you'll get there. <laughs> but I am not that, <laughs> obviously. Which is why I think people naturally 
were so surprised and so enthralled and excited about you because you not only brought a new spirit to Israeli music and that kind of pop, you know, that landscape, like what was playing on the radio in Israel, but you also Uh brought that into like, oh, fuck, wow, she's doing these things that I've never heard, I've never seen. Hmm. So you also brought another level to that, I think, that people appreciated. And you're such a great performer you almost forget that you so new that you were so new at it. Like when you when I first saw it a few years ago, I was like, "Where has she been? Like where where did you come from?" You know. And I feel like that's something that it makes sense that you spent a year with your loop machine. It makes sense that you were you know you took time for yourself to make sure mm-hmm. that you were ready, even if you didn't yes. know what you were getting ready for. And I, I think that that's, it's kind of amazing. And then you got to be in Will Ferrell's movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, I love him so much. I know Wow, he's... Will was amazing. Will was amazing. Were you I, a you know, fan? We, obviously, I grew up on him. Oh Anchorman God. is yeah. one of the most genius creations. And yeah. he's like a, a comedy god to me. Uh, he's like, but you know, he's like licorice. My mother thinks he's very stupid. I think he's a genius. Uh, and like some, the one that gets in is like my kind of people. Yes. But wait, so he's what incredible. did you do when you met him? Uh, like what happened to your uh, insides? And did you, could you speak? Um, I, you know, I was, I was kind of in drag. um, he was you know it was very funny that um he actually watched watched me win my eurovision he was sitting with my delegation wow uh and uh my entire beauty team was like whispering it's like, oh my God, is that Will Ferrell? Is that Will Ferrell sitting with us? What What is he doing here? Like, we were in Lisbon, and what? Like, his his wife is Swedish, and she's like this like crazy Eurovision fan, and oh, she so got he was him just there by. But obviously, he was like looking at researching for the movie. Yes, but you know, he was uh, he knew about Eurovision for years. Yeah. And when they were in Israel, uh, the producers came. They were in Israel and they asked me uh, together um, with Will. They mm-hmm. asked me to do it. And I was uh, I was so surprised they were even asking asking me. And then we got like the concept that there's a lot of uh, Eurovision winners doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was very honored to be like... Uh, um, to be, they flew us wow. to London, me and my entire crew, and they, wow. and they fixed something so special for me, like Neta, you know what we did? If we asked me, like you know what we did for you, you know what we did for you, <laughs> like, and then he walked me through the scene, like when there's like fire, yeah, and 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 there's like valets and jumping on trampolines behind me yeah and and there's like fireworks it was crazy it was crazy and it was all like kind of like wow uh and i i think the move's very very funny 
very funny. I mean, he's just great. I think it came out like everyone needed it, you know, on Netflix. Like everyone, everyone, just needed everyone that. needed it. Eurovision yeah. wasn't happening, and everybody yeah. needed uh, um, a reminder why Eurovision was great. Yeah. But now your music has also been like a massive hit on TikTok also. <laughs> so now you've like taken it now a step further, which like I know people, you know, who maybe aren't on TikTok are like, oh, so what? That doesn't, you know, what is that even? But like no, TikTok is uh, it, it, what, three years ago people were, were saying like, what is Instagram? Right, exactly. And now there's people who like legitimately make like money, you know, from that platform. But it's so not it's not like people making money. It's people having big moments in their career. Like right. Doja Cat is one of the yes. uh, up and coming artists now. She happened on TikTok. Yeah. She didn't even like chart it. They didn't even like took her seriously mm -hmm. and she made herself on tiktok also truth hurts by lizzo with that meme like why man right so they gotta mm -hmm. be great ah i took a dna test turns out i'm a hundred percent so that happened on tiktok like people are not aware like tiktok are it's it's building trends what's it like seeing so many people incorporate your music into their own performant like performative creativity it's weird like, and it's even it, like, it was it was insane but it, and it it's like when when i when we did toy for the first time it was like you know it was it was surreal seeing all these people doing this but two and a half years later two and a, the song is already you know it's an it's it was a big hit but it was a big hit and it never happened in the u.s and then like a whole other demographic like america south america canada who never knew that i existed like all of a sudden is is obsessing with the song and maybe this sounds philosophical but i i think that tiktok in a way is a nice mirror to how meaningless press cycles are and charts and you know trends and things like that because it just creates its own you know i totally agree and i love that people have found you through that platform because it's not people just looking at a video of you it's people watching you on you know looking at a video listening to the song and then interpreting it in, in their own way i to i can't agree more. i don't know if there's better flattery like is that like <laughs> the most <laughs> because i suppose when you're standing on stage like how do you feel looking at everyone singing back your your songs to you how does that feel well i i don't remember <laughs> <laughs> when you blank out you blank out no, I, like, do, I don't remember. It's like it's like it, it was like so eight or, or or ten months ago. It's been ten years. Yeah, it's been ten years <laughs> since I was on stage. No, I know, I know what you mean. So what? So what do you miss the most about performing for people? <sighs> Recently, I wrote a post um, about how how much I miss uh, performing. And, and I and I miss everything about the the journey to mm -hmm. a performance. Like I miss like 
airplane spaghetti and I miss walking into Prada thinking that I am Cardi B in the airport and then walking out <laughs> full of like <laughs> sense of uh, 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 failure. Shame, <laughs> guilt. Shame. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, I miss uh, uh, sign... S- signing for people who don't understand English and all they get is like Russian or Bulgarian yeah. or or or, f- or French um, and and obviously when when you talk with your hands when you when you're imagine imaginative enough then they get you uh, which is very cool um, I miss the spark in people's eyes when it's their favorite song. Uh, I miss the this the noise that they make when I go up on stage. I miss the skeptical people that was accidentally there and then <laughs> I watch them fall in love. Yes. I fight for them. Yeah. I I I miss that so bad. Like I will never again take for granted the right to perform in person this is one of the like the the right to interact with your crowd in a safe environment <laughs> i miss that like it's it's like a part of me is 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 gone it's like i'm 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 half happy You know, yeah. I'm performing in on Zoom. I do, I'm doing a lot of Zoom performances and they're very weird. And I'm yeah. I'm doing, uh, you know, this TikTok stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm doing I'm doing a series in in my YouTube channel that is called Netta's Office, mm-hmm. which I sit and I try to I, I try to interact with my fans to ask them for comments uh, and try to make songs for them. Uh, this is like you know if you if you will release music now, what will happen with it? Like there's nowhere for her to happen. Do you remember the very first performance that you ever saw alive on stage? The first artist you saw like in a concert at a you know at an arena or stadium? Do you remember that very first show? I, I grew up in Nigeria. Grew up in Nigeria. Yes, we didn't cover that in our in our in our Why one. Why did we not talk about <laughs> in that? In our one hour conversation, oh we didn't What cover that. What have we been talking about? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. So I was born in Nigeria, oh my God, and I, I was that. studying in an international school, mm-hmm. and oh, uh, we had two two headmasters. One is Mr. Jackson and one is Mrs. Jackson. Yeah. They were a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. They came from America and they they uh, I, I, I was like in preschool there right and um, and they brought us up on the Beatles. And the first performance I remember is Mr. Jackson with his guitar singing Yellow Submarine. <laughs> amazing could he was it good he was a bald guy with a mustache <laughs> and the headmistress was standing beside him with a tambourine oh my gosh and, and it was the sweetest thing uh that i can remember uh and uh and i i remember 
enjoying it like like it, I, I grew up on the Beatles because of yeah, them yeah because of them and they obviously loved it too I'm sure I can imagine them swaying <laughs> and smiling and <laughs> but so and then thinking about your like all the travels that you've done and all the places that you've been who's the who's what's the standout performance that you've seen the artist that really blew your mind on stage when I saw The Roots oh. in, uh, in, uh, I saw them in, in North Sea Jazz Festival. Yes. I, I never wanted to, to like, to be on stage that badly as I wanted to be on stage with The Roots. Like, they were a machine. The, they were a machine. The brass section is like sublime. Yeah, uh, and, uh, I can't even speak about it. Like <laughs> uh, without like getting chills in my body. I just had Black Thought on the show like two weeks ago. Oh wow, really? Yeah, he is the coolest, like wow. most zen obviously person you've ever spoken to. He's obviously. Just, like, Oh, he's just yeah it's 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 for a writer i rarely have words for people like that he's just very he knows exactly what he wants to do and he does it i envy like, that so much how can people have all the answers but he doesn't how can have they a, like but he doesn't how say can, he has the answers that's but he has the answers okay he, he has just them. leans into himself he gets out of his own way that's the beauty of somebody like wow. that. Like that's what I learned gets when I spoke to him. Out of his own way. He just gets it done. You know, he just gets the work done. He has a vision and he executes it. There's no like, oh, should I do this? Maybe I shouldn't be here. Should I, do I fit in here? There's no doubt of mine. There's, I deserve to be here. I've worked my ass off. I've been in this for decades. Hear hmm. me. You know, listen to me. And I feel like it's not an arrogance. It's not an ego. It's just a sense of true belonging. Like he knows exactly where he belongs. And that wow. is so inspiring, I think. Inspiring and, and I'm I'm very envious of him. I know. Right now. <laughs> but that's like, a good thing. It sounds so thing. simple. It sounds <laughs> so simple. <laughs> but you're, you're like, doing easier it. said. You, th I know, but you're doing it. I know you think you're probably not, but you are. You're pushing <laughs> and you're doing it, you know? I, I, I do my best. <laughs> I try my best. Thank you so much for chatting. I'm so glad to have you on the show. And wow, Lior, this, this was amazing. Thank you so much. It's wow. been a, such a pleasure to just get to know you and dig into your life a little. And do you have any uh, idea when the album will come out? Are you planning on a next year release? Are you planning <laughs> on what's your, what's your plan? I'm kind of planning on finishing it. <laughs> it's like, shut up, stop but asking me questions. Like, I just want to get it done. <laughs> this Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Brater for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. 
For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. Consequence Podcast Network.